This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcasting every Tuesday morning, 8 to 9, Pacific Time on KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new book, Making It Legal, A Guide to Same-Sex Marriage, Domestic Partnership, and Civil Unions, our guest today, Frederick Hertz, offers a comprehensive, easy-to-understand guide to the past, present, and future of same-sex law in, in America. Hertz is a practicing attorney, mediator, working in Oakland, California. Fred Hertz, welcome to Weekly Signals. Glad to be here. And how are you today? I'm good. What's it like in the Bay Area? Is it uh, a nice day up there? It's classic August day. It's gray, and it'll be sunny by 12 or 1. <laughs> All right. So so you've read the weather report this morning. No, right? you don't. The Bay Area of the summer, you don't need to read the weather report. It's always the same. Yeah. Now, now your book, Making It Legal, uh, before we get into it, uh, can you just give us, uh, I know this sounds like a silly question, but a, a, a definition of marriage? Sure. Marriage is a civil institution regulated by law that sets up the rules of finance and property and parentage and debt and public and private benefits that regulate the emotional and family relationships of adult couples. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far as yourself goes, you've been in a committed relationship with another man for 27 years, and, and, and you're not married. You haven't taken advantage of that. Can you explain why? Sure. Well, first of all, for us, there wouldn't be any much advantage yeah. because my partner's a retired federal employee, and because there's no recognition of domestic partnership or marriage by the federal government, even if we were to state register or marry, we wouldn't get those benefits. And it, given the way the rest of our life is, there's very little financial or legal benefit to us. We've all done, we've done the powers of attorney, we've done wills, we've done a property agreement. So for us, and that's why I always say for us, because... This is not a situation where there's just one answer for everybody. For us, marriage didn't make sense legally. And then emotionally for us, we prefer to be unmarried. We actually prefer to be outside of that legal structure, and that's more comfortable for us. And one of the things I try to do in the book is to try to integrate the legal issues with the personal issues so that couples can really make the best decision for them. Well, go ahead, Mike. Well, so what are the disadvantages for you to not be married you've identified sort of you've you've it seems like you've taken care of all you can without the uh the uh imperture of marriage what is it that you is legally lacking in your in this in this situation you mean what are we lacking because we're choosing to be unmarried yeah well no in other words if you chose to be married what did what advantage legal advantage would you enjoy that you don't enjoy currently oh well for us I'd say the the only one I can think of at the moment would be a property tax exemption if one of us dies, leaving the other one holding the house. Yeah. For us, the we could really use the federal benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a double step up in basis for tax purposes for a community property residence. There's an estate tax exemption. There are, are pension and retirement exemptions. As I said, my partner's a federal employee. If there were federal recognition, we could benefit a lot. So we are people who, even if we married, would be losing out on those federal benefits because as long as the Defense of Marriage Act remains in effect, 
federal benefits are not extended. And for us, the state benefits aren't that great. One of the other things, one of the other aspects of this that I've heard brought up, and I don't know if you, you uh, is the, as if you were, one of you were in a hospital and there was a, uh, a visitation uh, issue. Yes. Well, we've done that. We, we, we have arranged that through directives to physicians and powers of attorney. Okay. One of the things I also try to point out of the book is there are some things you can fix by private agreement. Okay. You can fix your estate plan. You can fix your property agreement. For example, one of the things you can't fix by private agreement is if one of the partners wants to get health insurance through his or her partner and his or her partner employer provides that, then you can't do that private contract. Or if you want to do a second parent adoption, you can't, or step parent adoption, you can't do that by private agreement. So there are a lot of couples for whom registering or marrying really is essential. We're just not one of those couples. So, okay, so so that that you've identified the, okay, the, those advantages. Uh, okay, that's what I was curious All about. Right. Yeah. We're speaking with Fred Hertz. The book is Making It Legal, A Guide to Same-Sex Marriage, Domestic Partnerships, and Civil Unions. Now, you, you spoke about federal benefits. Do you think that there's any hope that that situation there might change in the future? Well, if you ask it that way, is there any hope? Sure, the answer is yeah. yes. There is some hope, and I have it. I think, actually, it will be remedied. I think it's going to take two or three years. Right. I think it may take some court action. It's clearly going to take congressional action. But, yes, I think you've got Obama saying it should be lifted. You have more and more legislators saying it should be lifted. And it's the the weight of the irrationality is starting to bring it down. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty confident in three or four years it will be lifted. So you think it's just a matter of persistence that will uh, overcome the irrationality? I do. I do. I also think, and this is one of the things I think is going to lead to national marriage for same-sex couples, is that we live in a a national economy. Chase Manhattan Bank does not want to have to have 50 different rules, or I should say more than 50 rules, because, you know, if I marry in Massachusetts and then move to Illinois and then get a credit card from a company based in North Dakota, and I skip out on the card, does my spouse owe on the debt? Well, Chase Manhattan does not want to spend $2,000 in legal fees analyzing each spouse's rights and duties. They want a universal rule. And I think that that need for a national integrated system is going to carry the day. Uh, Hertz, uh, is this, isn't this the Commerce Clause that, that says that, you, that states are bound to respect the laws of other states? Well, there is a Commerce Clause that's, that has exceptions. That's the problem. People don't understand that it has exceptions. And also, marriages are not laws. Marriages are not judgments. Marriages are administrative actions. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that has happened, and it's being challenged in courts, is that states say they have a public policy exception. And, And, you know, one of the things I have learned over the last 40 years is that laws that otherwise seem to apply don't seem to quite apply when it comes to gay people. So you know, if a state tries to control guns, suddenly the federal government says, oh, no, 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 you can't do that, or other states say. But if you want to control homosexuality, all bets are off as to what the courts are going to do. Now, I, the point I was making with asking you about your, the, the, the ways that you have adjusted uh, through, through uh, legal documents to make the adjustments that you wouldn't enjoy, uh, you, that you would enjoy as a, a married, a civil marriage. Yes. Uh, have laws and have rulings come into play in the last, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years that made it p- 
possible for you to do the things that you did in this uh, the sort oh, of... Oh, no, those powers of attorney and directive to physicians to somebody other than your legal spouse have been available for 100 years. Okay. Remember, we have a lot of single people out there. Right. And when there's a disregard of one's marriage, you're treated as a single person. So when I have a power of attorney for my boyfriend's um, health care and I walk into the hospital, they don't know whether I'm a friend, a lover, or simply his personal attorney. Mm-hmm. I carry the power of attorney, and okay. I, I'm confident it will be respected. I think that the difference is that when my 85-year-old father goes into the hospital and my mother says I'm his wife, I don't think anybody asks to see a marriage license. Yeah, okay. Uh, you were just speaking a minute ago about uh, the state and federal government relationship. Uh, just focus on the state right now. How are we doing in California uh, w- w- with uh, with same-sex marriage? It- well, I'm one of the, I'm one of, I must say, in the in a minority here that says that one of the problems we have is we have we have denigrated domestic partnership to the detriment of our own community. Hmm. Domestic partnership right now is fundamentally identical to marriage in California. There is a room of marriage, and you can enter that room through the front door or the back door. Now, I completely understand the negative stigmatization of having to go through the back door. It's like the back of the bus. But I think that our community needs to know that in terms of practical benefits, if you want the benefits of marriage, you can get them as a domestic partner. You never needed to be married. You don't need to be married now. And it would be a mistake for people to boycott domestic partnership because it's second class, because there are practical benefits that people should take advantage of for those for whom it's right. So what makes, uh, as you say, a a domestic partnership the back door and marriage the front door? What are people looking at? Is it simply the the religious recognition of it as opposed to the legal? Neither. It's what I would call the social recognition. Ah. When um, and, and by the way, there are a lot of practical problems. For example, I can't tell you how often I get calls from clients who say the title company didn't recognize us as married, wouldn't let us take title as community property. The bank didn't recognize and treat us as co-applicants. The general society doesn't know what to do with domestic partners. And frankly, most gay and lesbian couples don't know. They don't understand, first of all, a state-registered domestic partnership gives you benefits, but a city or county registration doesn't. So you have a lot of people who registered with their city or their county or their employer. They don't even know whether they're state-registered, whereas most people who are married know whether or not they're married. The other is that when you say to somebody, this is my domestic partner, it carries with it this kind of clinical business relationship, and it doesn't have the social meaning that my husband, my wife, my spouse does. Yeah. So what people have found, and there was an interesting study just done in the Netherlands, which changed from domestic partnership to marriage about five years ago, is that the social acceptance by extended families, by employers, by businesses, changed dramatically when people called it marriage. Yeah. So it's not... So, so Now, and, and, and by the way, the issue of religious marriage is completely... Um, disconnected, in my mind, with everything we've been talking about. Okay. People can enter into a religious marriage. There, There's a Jewish marriage ceremony. There's even a Jewish divorce ceremony and law. So those are really under the purvey, you know, the purview of the religious organizations. That's always been my, my take on this, is that it seems to me that uh, people don't quite make the, they don't make the distinction between a, 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 a government-sanctioned um, 
situation uh, arrangement yes. and a religiously arranged um, situation. I'm, I'm well, saying that right. Of, yeah. And they're different. They are completely different. And and people keep wedding the idea of a religious ceremony as a state-sanctioned ceremony. Well, one of the and, problems we have, and um, we don't need to change the law on this, right. if we simply disallowed religious figures from officiating at marriages, yeah. all and you know, people don't know this, that even in France, which is like a 95% Catholic country, priests are not allowed to do marriages. The civil marriage is done in the city hall by a city or state official. You don't allow religious figures to do a civil marriage any more than you allow priests to issue driver's licenses, you know, or licenses to practice law. What? Uh, we have, a, and I think if we if we created a distinction there in who who officiates at the events, that would really help reinforce to people that civil marriage is not religious marriage. That's funny because in uh, all those old movies where uh, the couple wants to get married on the ship, right, and the, the captain steps up and and marries them, and and it's it's a in that circumstance it's a state sanctioned. Arrangement, so it's it's a, it's kind of funny. It's in our culture, but we really don't recognize, we don't understand what you're talking about. Well, is when the you say state sanctioned, I mean, this is what I'm saying is that the state should not delegate it to anyone. Not on a ship, not a ship captain, right? Not That's a priest. Right. It should be the government official. Yeah. Now, um, the Defense of Marriage Act, signed, yes. signed by Bill Clinton into law. How did that affect all of this? Same-sex marriage uh, on both sides of the picture. Well, that's what is the source of the federal non-recognition problem. Yes. Uh, other than the polygamy fights of the 1850s, where the federal government didn't recognize polygamous marriages, the federal government has stayed out of the marriage business. If you were legally married in your state, when it came to a federal benefit, whether it's an immigration passport or a Social Security, if you were lawfully married in your state, the federal government deferred to it. So from the polygamy days of 1850 until 1996, the federal government stayed out of deciding who was lawfully married. So the Defense of Marriage Act is an act, and by the way, at the time it was passed, there was no gay marriage anywhere, but five years or eight years later, when Massachusetts legalized the first marriages, that's when we hit up against this Defense of Marriage Act, Mm -hmm. which uh, has caused a serious problem because it's what precludes the federal agencies from recognizing a same-sex marriage. How many states currently um, allow for uh, gay marriage? Well, there are six states that allow marriage, and there are six more states that have what we call marriage equivalents, which are like California, where they don't call it marriage, but it's all the rights and duties of marriage. Mm-hmm. So we have six marriage, six marriage equivalent. Okay. Now, uh, let's, let's switch gears here and go into uh, uh, same-sex divorce. Okay. Uh, have you? Is that something that you? First of all, in in your practice, have you been part of any uh, divorce proceedings? Oh, I've been working. Well, first of all, you have to decide what you call divorce. Okay. I refer to divorce as any breakup between a long-term couple. So you have couples that cohabited, never registered, never married. They break up. They're in the civil law system, the contract system, the palimony system. Then you have couples that are state-registered domestic partners, and they're actually treated as marital divorces. And then you have couples that married, either out of state or last year in California. Those are in the marital system. So I've worked with all three varieties, yes. And and what's your favorite divorce? 
was my favorite divorce. <laughs> I said, yeah. If you were going to take any of those that you lined up there, is is there one that that you find easier to deal with and easier to get through, or or they're they're just equal in 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 their difficulty? Well, and the, well, it's funny. My favorite divorce is the one that doesn't need a lawyer, <laughs> um, and I don't see those. Yeah. So um, I would say my favorite divorce is where people acknowledge that it's neither person's fault that it was a mutual unraveling. I also really value the couples who can say that they're not going to just follow the law, but they're going to reach an agreement based on what's right for their personal needs and not have one person take advantage of a legal anomaly. Because part of what happens in these cases is that the couples who state registered or married, sometimes one partner has a windfall because of that legal status. And so we need to balance that. And then the third is I really appreciate working with couples and partners who understand that there's another person involved. They can't just click their heels and get their way. So those are my favorite ones, and they're the ones that I see for a couple of hours, and then they go off on their way and they resolve it all. The ones that are my least favorite are, ironically, the ones that end up paying me the most money. (laughs) And they're, they're the ones where people fight for years over who really paid more for this house, why was I taken off title, who really should get the credit card debt. Those are the ones. And in fact, the, actually, to me, the interesting question, which I don't have an answer for, is why are some divorces so acrimonious and others are so rational? I, I, it's not the amount of money at stake because I've dealt with millions of dollars where people have resolved them in a couple of hours. It's not, there's no, it's not, you can't say, I mean, I would say that, um, well, you you can't say, like, oh, it's because they're men or because they're women or because they've been together five years or ten years. What, What one therapist said to me is that the divorce is not what happens after the marriage ends. The divorce is the last chapter of the marriage. I, I, I would I, I would uh, I would say it has to do with exhaustion. <laughs> I think that would be the 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 the, so? the, the factor that you would, know. I you would be amazed. To me, if I were in the middle of one of these, especially if I were paying a lawyer, I would be exhausted <laughs> far quicker. You have no idea the stamina for conflict. No, I mean I mean no, I'm, I'm talking about the ones that go well go easy. I think yeah. the, I think they, the point in the relationships that they're exhausted with one another. I mean, I, I don't doubt that yes. once you get into a divorce proceeding, you're recharged in your, in, you know, in the yes. sense of anger well and all that. Well put. Uh, yeah. But I would, and I just want to remind our listeners of speaking with Fred Hertz. The book is Making It Legal, A Guide to Same-Sex Marriage, Domestic Partnership, and Civil Unions. And this is out of NOLO Press, which is well-known uh, for people who want to do, yes. uh, who want to be informed about their legal options. Uh, it's a terrific uh, press. Thank you. And, uh, and NOLO does a great job, and, and, and this is a terrific book for that. Uh, I want to ask you, because uh, we're running a little bit short on time, I'm going to switch a little bit to the politics of all of this. Sure. Uh, currently, there's a lot of hoopla surrounding a case that's being uh, processed uh, by Ted Olson and, yes, and, the federal court and David here, yeah. Boyce. What do you think about what's going on with that case? What's your opinion on that right now? Well, first of all, my opinion is nobody owns this cause. Mm-hmm. Uh um, you know, straight people have a right to, to get involved, and I think it's been very unsettling to some of my favorite organizations, Lambda and NCLR, who thought they owned the struggle. 
and they don't. Other people can do it. I actually think that having a conservative straight person fighting for gay marriage rights will really help us. I think it 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 says you don't have to just be self-interested to care about this. So I think he's actually going to do quite well. I think he, I'm not sure he's going to do well all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, but maybe the Prop 8 will be reversed by then and we'll never have to take it to the Supreme Court. I think that, that, that it's actually a good thing to have those voices singing our song. You're not worried that it's a Trojan horse, that this is going to, if, it, if it's not argued properly, this, this puts uh, gay marriage back many oh, years or anything? I, I, I worry about a negative outcome, sure. Yeah. I think I, I, I think that there could be a negative outcome. When I said that I think that I think it's gonna have political benefit, yeah. it's not without its risk or cost or cost, absolutely. Yeah, well there was a great article about this in the New York Times a couple yeah. of days about uh Ted Olson and his rationale for doing it. Which uh from a cons- strictly very conservative libertarian government out of my business point of view, uh which he claims to to be uh, an adherent of that, that sounds like it makes sense. Well, right. and I think, frankly, that front-page article in the New York Times may change more minds at a high level yeah. than than any gay advocate ever could. So that's yeah. where change happens. It yeah. doesn't just happen in the courtroom. It happens in the press as well. Yeah. Well, this is terrific. I'm going to ask just one more simple question before we let you go. Yes. If, if uh, same sex, a same-sex couple is considering marriage, is there any just... Uh, advice that you'd offer them right off the bat, uh, yes. just a, a consideration yes. before they Thank step you. forward. So first of all, let me just tell you that we have a website, makingitlegal.net, right. and I now have a weekly blog where I'm raising particular issues. Yes, the main advice I would give people is to say, you are stepping into a government-regulated relationship, which will have more say of your life, whether you like it or not, and that you that the right to marry is not the duty to marry and that you should get to know what the legal rules are and make sure they really are rules you want to follow and not do it just as a political statement right. that's my strongest advice and caution to people yes. well well put uh the book is making it legal a guide to same-sex marriage domestic partnership and civil unions and we've been speaking with fred frederick hertz uh and thank you for being here on weekly signals thank you for having me on i really enjoyed it To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And this is Weekly Signals.